knowing that your soul is restless, what could you do to help? Well, firstly, firstly, it's you know, it helps to listen, it helps to pay attention. Most of us, including rabbis and judges, I mean, people who are paid to listen, are terrible listeners. It's like the story of. Um, person was his, his first day on the job, you know, as a psychiatrist. And, uh, you know, this young, young doctor, first day, he's 30 years old, and after the first day, his head is spinning. He just can't take it. And listening to human misery and the pain and the complexities, he runs into Dr. Goldstein, the head doctor, and he says, I don't understand. How do you do this? He's been doing this for 30 years. So the doctor says, who's listening? <laughs> yeah. um, and not only don't we listen to others, we don't listen to ourselves either. Just like you listen to others, you have to listen to yourself. Well, why is your soul any worse than others? Your soul is speaking to you. What, what's your soul? Chopped liver. <laughs> your soul is trying to speak to you. It's trying to tell you something. Yes, he's speaking a very foreign language. And he's speaking a very difficult language because we're not sure, it's not clear. But we just know that something is not right. I don't feel right. Something is not right. Just like physically, when you don't feel right, you know something is wrong. Even no symptoms, you just don't feel right. So too, spiritually and emotionally, you just inside, you just don't feel right. Something is not, you know, there are moments when you feel you're at your peak and everything is connected and everything is beautiful and, uh, you know, you feel integrated, centered, focused. And the next day, you feel like drifting. It's not right. It doesn't feel right. Something is wrong. But I have no idea what. And unless you listen, unless you truly listen, you're probably going to climb, either ignore it or just climb the wrong ladder. You're going to try to figure out logically and you, you, you're clueless. You have no idea. Your soul is telling you, because your soul is speaking from your subconscious. Your soul is speaking from a very deep place, which defies words, easy words, easy definitions, easy descriptions, clinical descriptions, easy. All these words, it doesn't do it for you. It doesn't. It's like you hear the answer and it doesn't resonate. It doesn't ring a bell. You ask the teacher a question, the teacher gives you an answer, but it doesn't satisfy you. Insight. In your kishkis, it doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't do it for you. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't ring a bell. It's not, it doesn't evoke any response from within. So you know, you know that it's nothing. So you move on. You listen until let the soul speak to you. If you have to listen. You have to create a space, a little empty space. You know, get rid of your ego for a little, put your ego on the side a little and just listen. Most people don't listen. When they're listening to you, then they didn't hear a word you said. They're just thinking immediately about their own response, about the clever response. They're not truly listening to what you're saying. But the truth is, you yourself don't know what you're saying. Because <laughs> you're saying something, something is bothering you. But you, you, most people don't know themselves what's really bothering you. They're saying, they think this is what's bothering them, and, they, and it comes out in very clever words and very sensible words, but that's not really what's bothering you. It's only when you truly listen, you really hear what the person is really saying. And it may not be what it appears to be. So you have to listen to yourself also. And within that chaos and that inner darkness and that inner turmoil, there is, there is your soul is speaking to you. It's a communication of the soul. It's an SOS signal from the soul. But we don't have the time to listen. 
But if we don't have the time to listen, it's not like we're saving any time. <laughs> that time will be, will be spent in, in chaotic activities, in negative activities. So it pays, to, it's effort, it takes effort to listen. It's not easy. And how, how do you shut down? You have to shut down to listen. Yes, that's why it's so difficult. All these things that we go. How do you shut, shut that's, down? That's, that, that's shutting down your ego, which is the most difficult thing in the world. Most people never stop talking inside and outside. It's all, you know, that's the hardest thing in the world, to shut down your ego for one split second. Just shash still and just move aside and just, just forget about yourself for one second and just truly listen to what's really going on. It takes, it's, it's, it's not just external effort, it's internal effort. It's, it's the idea of, of self-nullification rising above you. It's very difficult, but it's very rewarding. It's the most rewarding thing in life. There's no formula. There's no formula, but it's the mo- it's the most it's the most rewarding thing in life because when you listen and you get a communication from something deep inside of you, something stirs deep inside of you. Uh, that's the most pleasurable thing on earth. There's nothing external in the world that can possibly even come close to a direct communication from your own soul when you when something resonates inside of you. And something rings a bell inside of you, and something evokes a response inside of you, and you're truly listening, and you really get something, and something stirs. That's the most pleasurable. There's nothing physically pleasurable that even comes close. Can we assume you've experienced that? Don't assume anything. <laughs> no, because you're talking about it like from a Halavai. a real experience. Halavai. To be able to listen, you have to create an emptiness. You have to remove yourself. You can try an experiment. Try an exercise. Next time someone asks you to listen to them, take your spouse. Uh, next time someone asks you to listen, try repeating what they say, almost word for word, without any input, without your comments and any of your own words. Try almost to say, almost word for word, exactly what they've said, as they say it. You'll see how difficult it is. <laughs> because you really have to listen. And when you really listen and you repeat back to them what they said, they will respond tremendously. The reason people don't respond is because people are not really listening. But if you truly listen, because when you will listen to someone else, the other person is able to hear himself also, truly listen to himself also. And they can go much deeper inside and really, really, really listen. What are they really saying? Not what externally, superficially. Because sometimes you think, oh, this is bothering you. And you know, when you get in and you build a whole logical argument, and it's, it's nothing could be further than the truth. That's not what's bothering you. But until you really listen, you really can't get it. You know, you don't allow it to come out. You don't allow it to emerge. You don't allow that what's going on inside to really surface. So people stay stuck and frustrated, and that's it. And they end up 30 years at a therapist with no no movement. And broke. And broke. <laughs> not the therapist, but the <laughs> I once asked the people who work in theater. How do they how do they do it? They do the same show sometimes a thousand times, three times a day. Did they ever try telling a joke? Could be the funniest joke in the world, but to you, to you, that joke is so stale. If you hear it one more time, you're gonna scream. Tell tell that joke, no one will laugh. If you're not laughing, no one is laughing. You can tell the stupidest joke, but if you find it funny, if you if it tickles your 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 bone inside of you. Everyone will laugh because it's just 
that's just the way things are. So how can you play the same play over? Okay, you must be bored stiff. And if you're bored stiff, it could be the most fascinating story in the world. How does the audience how, how does the audience accept it and find it so entertaining? And they told me very interestingly, they said, on the contrary, when they do a play hundreds of times, that's when they first start appreciating it. Firstly, every play they do, they try to find something, emphasize a new angle of the play of the story. But it's only when they're doing it hundreds of times that it, it really sinks in, really absorb it, and then they really get it. As if for the first time, like their eyes open up. It's like, you know, they've been doing it for months and months. And suddenly, wow, this is what's the point. You know, and, and we all have that experience occasionally. Something you know for years and you've heard about over and over again. And one moment, suddenly, you get it. It's like, it hits you. The previous Babacher everyone said, if someone studies something 70 times, the difference between the 69th time and the 70th time is more dramatic than the difference between 0 and 1, or 1 and 2. Because only when you let it sink in and that suddenly the most simple, obvious thing that just eluded you was right there, but you didn't pay attention. And suddenly it hits you. The, 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 profoundity, the, the profundity and the depth of, of, of what it's all about. So you're right. That's what the listening is. When you truly listen, you discover tremendous, tremendous depth. And that's, by the way, that's, by the way, is the quality of the, of the woman. The woman in Kabbalah represents, the universe represents the receiver. This is what receiving is all about. To receive is not past. To receive is the most dynamic activity in the universe. Take, for example, Earth. Earth receives a seed, okay? But the Earth listens. The Earth has no ego. Every, everyone steps in the Earth. It receives. But the Earth is the only one in the universe that has the power to create. Angels can create, fire can, energy can create. The only thing that can create is Earth. Because Earth listens. Earth removes itself. It takes the seed. And it listens to the seed. And you know what it hears in the seed? Something that the seed never suspected itself that it, that it has, it possesses. The Earth sees in the seed, not a seed, a tree with branches, with fruit. Where, where did you find all of that in that tiny seed? Where exactly did you see it in the seed? You taste the seed, it's tiny, it's bitter, it's nothing. And yet, the Earth listened, the Earth removed its ego, it received it, it absorbed it, it totally became one with it. And suddenly, from this tiny, that's why the Talmud says that God created 10 measurements of speech in the world and nine he gave to women. Now, it's not, a, it's not a put down women on the contrary. What the Talmud is telling us is, what's the nature of men? You know, you ask them about an experience. You know, in two minutes, it's all over. Tell you exactly what happened, next. The, seem <laughs> the most seemingly meaningless experience. If you speak to a woman, that experience could take a whole hour to describe. But, but the truth is, because she personalizes everything. She experiences everything. And when you experience it, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like giving birth to a baby. For a man, it, it, it's a seed. Next, it's all over. But the woman, it's a nine-month story. And she sees in this seed, from this seed, suddenly she sees a full-fledged human being, 248 limbs, 365 veins, with ear, with nails, 
Where did you, where did exactly did you see this child, this little seed? And yet it's all there. But because she absorbs and she receives and she listens and she internalizes and becomes one with her, and she's egoless, she removes her ego from and she allows to receive, therefore she's the creator. She's able to to take out so much, so much more than the seed even realizes itself that it has, it contains. So that's really the most dynamic, the most vibrant, most powerful force in the universe. It doesn't appear that way. In a superficial society, in a superficial world, in an egotistical world, where the louder something is, the more real it is. Where the more prominent, prominent something is, the more real it is. In a superficial world, the woman is not appreciated. The receiver is not appreciated. Everyone wants to be a giver. Everyone wants to be a macher, a mover, a shaker. I want to stand at the bimma. I want to stand with the talus and the tefillin, and I want to be... But in the real world, it's just the opposite. What makes the letters? Right. Superficially, the superficial person will tell you. The masculine aspect will tell you what makes the letters. The ink. That's not what makes the letters. It's, it's what you don't see that makes the letters. Otherwise, it would just be a blob of ink. It's the space, right? It will be the same. It's the space. The sculpture is what he removes that makes the sculpture. It's not what you see. It's what you don't see that makes the sculpture. What creates character? Character is not what the person does. What you see is what you don't see. What a person won't do. A person's red lines. That's what creates character. It's the inner, it's the depth. That's what gives a person depth that etches something defined, something clear, something real. So the, the, the woman, is. that's why she walks around. The chasen by the chuppah, she creates the, uh, the, the, the setting that etches the male, and it, it, it's a team. But the real inner dynamic, the real story, is not what you see, it's what you don't see. It's the foundation. It's the quiet that you don't see. That's the, the receiving. That's what's much more profound. That's what's creative. That's what's dynamic. The exact opposite of the way we look at it. So the ability to listen, and like you say, to discover real depth, to really get to the... And the more you listen, the more you remove your ego. The, the deeper your silence is, the more... The, the, the deeper you go into the level of bittel, of self-nullification, the more creative you become, the more you allow the soul to emerge, the more you allow the soul to surface, the inner depth to come out in all, in all, all its beauty and all its glory. So it's commensurate to the level, the depth of self-nullification of our egolessness that we achieve the depth of soul that emerges into our consciousness. That's how we come in. That takes effort. We have to remove yourself. Removing yourself is active. Then you create the space that allows the soul to come out. If you don't let, if you don't create any space, the soul has nowhere to emerge. So Kotzke Rebbe once asked his Hasidim, he says, where is God? He said, of course, everywhere. He says, no. God is wherever you allow him to enter. If you don't allow him to enter your heart, if you don't create a space, he has nowhere to enter. The soul has nowhere, nowhere to enter. It remains bottled up, blocked, concealed. Isn't God anywhere Of course, but he meant to say that that for us, right, God is when we have to we have to choose and we have to exert the effort to nullify ourselves, to allow the soul to emerge, to allow godliness to emerge in our life, to become to, to become a part of our life. Of course God is everywhere. Except in my conscious mind, except in my life, and except in my then 
No, God is, you have to allow him into your life. You have to allow him to integrate godliness into your life, to internalize godliness in your life. And the only way to do it is, it's commensurate to the level of bittel, the level that you nullify your ego and you nullify yourself, you allow the soul to emerge. So it is effort. Concentration, it's focus. It's, that's what he constant, keeps on saying, meditation, focus, concentration. Really, really paying attention, listening, absorbing, being open. And we're the only ones who can do it. You know, it takes, we have to make a choice, a deliberate choice. We have to deliberately remove ourselves and allow the neshama to speak. So we are partners in this process. We're not passive. We are, it's a very active, it's a, it's a combination of active and passive. We're very active, we remove ourselves and allow the neshama to speak our language. And if you, when you evoke a response within, and something stirs inside of your soul, that's the most refreshing, the most rewarding, the most deepest, deepest pleasure in life. Nothing physical can even come close to having a desire, having a direct stirring of your soul, a communication from within. When you feel it's something, an int- you feel integrated, you feel whole, you feel connected. And that's what makes life worth living. Everything else is external, superficial. And that's what we're really hungering for in life and yearning for in life.